0: chapter nine of a distinguished provincial at paris by honoré de balzac translated by ellen marriage this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce Peery. chapter nine ten several times did lucien repair to the rue fedot in search of andoche finot and ten times he failed to find that gentleman he went first thing in the morning finot had not come in at noon finot had gone out he was breakfasting at such-and-such such a cafe at the cafe in answer to inquiries of the waitress made after surmounting unspeakable repugnance lucien heard that finot had just left the place lucien at length tired out began to regard finot as a mythical and fabulous character it appeared simpler to waylay etienne lousteau at flicoteau's that youthful journalist would doubtless explain the mysteries that enveloped the paper for which he wrote since the day a hundred times blessed when lucien made the acquaintance of daniel d'arthez he had taken another seat at Flicoteau's. the two friends dined side by side talking in lowered voices of the higher literature of suggested subjects and ways of presenting opening up and developing them at the present time Daniel d'Arthez was correcting the manuscript of the Archer of Charles IX. He reconstructed whole chapters and wrote the fine passages found therein, as well as the magnificent preface, which is, perhaps, the best thing in the book, and throws so much light on the work of the young school of literature. One day it so happened that Daniel had been waiting for Lucien, who now sat with his friend's hand in his own, when he saw Etienne Lousteau turn the door handle. Lucien instantly dropped Daniel's hand and told the waiter that he would dine at his old place by the counter. D'arthez gave Lucien a glance of divine kindness in which reproach was wrapped in forgiveness. The glance cut the poet to the quick. He took Daniel's hand and grasped it anew. It is an important question of business for me. I will tell you about it afterwards, said he lucien was in his old place by the time that lousteau reached the table as the first comer he greeted his acquaintance they soon struck up a conversation which grew so lively that lucien went off in search of the manuscript of the marguerite while lousteau finished his dinner he had obtained leave to lay his sonnets before the journalist and mistook the civility of the latter for willingness to find him a publisher or a place on the paper when lucien came hurrying back again he saw d'arthez resting an elbow on the table in a corner of the restaurant and knew that his friend was watching him with melancholy eyes but he would not see d'arthez just then he felt the sharp pangs of poverty the goadings of ambition and followed lousteau in the late afternoon the journalist and the neophyte went to the luxembourg and sat down under the trees in that part of the gardens which lies between the broad avenue de l'observatoire and the rue de l'ouest the rue de l'ouest at that time was a long morass bounded by planks and market-gardens the houses were all at the end nearest the rue de vaugirard and the walk through the gardens was so little frequented that at the hour when paris dines two lovers might fall out and exchange the earnest of reconciliation without fear of intruders the only possible sport was the pensioner on duty at the little iron gate on the rue de l'ouest if that grey-headed veteran should take it into his head to lengthen his monotonous beat there on a bench beneath the lime-trees etienne lousteau sat and listened to sample sonnets from the marguerite etienne lousteau after a two years apprenticeship was on the staff of a newspaper he had his foot in the stirrup he reckoned some of the celebrities of the day among his friends altogether he was an imposing personage in lucien's eyes wherefore while lucien untied the string about the marguerite he judged it necessary to make some sort of preface the sonnet monsieur said he is one of the most difficult forms of poetry it has fallen almost entirely into disuse no frenchman can hope to rival petrarch for the language in which the italian wrote being so infinitely more pliant than french lends itself to play of thought which our positivism pardon the use of the expression rejects so it seemed to me that a volume of sonnets would be something quite new Victor Hugo has appropriated the old, Canalie writes lighter verse, Béranger has monopolized songs, Casimir de la Vigne has taken tragedy, and Lamartine the poetry of meditation. Are you a classic or a romantic? inquired Lousteau. Lucien's astonishment betrayed such complete ignorance of the state of affairs in the Republic of Letters that Lousteau thought it necessary to enlighten him you have come up in the middle of a pitched battle my dear fellow you must make your decision at once literature is divided in the first place into several zones but our great men are ranged in two hostile camps the royalists are romantics the liberals are classics the divergence of taste in matters literary and divergence of political opinion coincide and the result is a war with weapons of every sort double-edged witticisms subtle calumnies and nicknames a outrance between the rising and the waning glory and ink is shed in torrents the odd part of it is that the royalist romantics are all for liberty in literature and for repealing laws and conventions while the liberal classics are for maintaining the unities the alexandrine and the classical theme so opinions in politics on either side are directly at variance with literary taste if you are eclectic you will have no one for you which side do you take which is the winning side the liberal newspapers have far more subscribers than the royalist and ministerial journals still though canalis is for church and king and patronized by the court and the clergy he reaches other readers Pshaw, sonnets date back to an epoch before boileau's time said etienne seeing lucien's dismay at the prospect of choosing between two banners be a romantic the romantics are young men and the classics are pedants the romantics will gain the day the word pedant was the latest epithet taken up by romantic journalism to heap confusion on the classical faction lucien began to read choosing first of all the title sonnets easter daisies the daisies in the meadows not in vain in red and white and gold before our eyes have written an idol for man's sympathies and set his heart's desire in language plain gold stamens set in silver filigrane reveal the treasures which we idolize and all the cost of struggle for the prize is symboled by a secret blood-red stain was it because your petals once uncurled when jesus rose upon a fairer world and from wings shaken for a heavenward flight shed grace that still as autumn reappears you bloom again to tell of dead delight to bring us back the flower of twenty years lucien felt piqued by lousteau's complete indifference during the reading of the sonnet he was unfamiliar as yet with the disconcerting impassibility of the professional critic wearied by much reading of poetry prose and plays lucien was accustomed to applause he choked down his disappointment and read another a favorite with Madame de bargeton and with some of his friends in the rue des quatre vents this one perhaps will draw a word from him he thought the marguerite i am the marguerite fair and tall i grew in velvet meadows mid the flowers a star they sought me for my beauty near and far my dawn i thought should be for ever new but now an all unwished-for gift i rue a fatal ray of knowledge shed to mar my radiant star-crown grown oracular for i must speak and give an answer true and end the silence and of quiet days the lover with two words my counsel prays and when my secret from my heart is reft when all my silver petals scattered lie i am the only flower neglected left cast down and trodden under foot to die at the end the poet looked up at his aristarchus etienne lousteau was gazing at the trees in the pépinière well asked lucien well my dear fellow go on i am listening to you am i not that fact in itself is as good as praise in paris have you had enough lucien asked go on the other answered abruptly enough Lucien proceeded to read the following sonnet, but his heart was dead within him. Lousteau's inscrutable composure froze his utterance. If he had come a little further upon the road, he would have known that between writer and writer, silence, or abrupt speech, under such circumstances, is a betrayal of jealousy and outspoken admiration means a sense of relief over the discovery that the work is not above the average after all the camellia, in nature's book if rightly understood the rose means love and red for beauty glows a pure sweet spirit in the violet blows and bright the lily gleams in lowlyhood but this strange bloom by sun and wind unwooed. Seems to expand and blossom mid the snows, a lily sceptreless, a scentless rose for dainty listlessness of maidenhood. Yet at the opera house the petals trace for modesty a fitting aureole, an alabaster wreath to lay, methought, in dusky hair or some fair woman's face, which kindles even such love within the soul as sculptured marble forms by Phidias wrought what do you think of my poor sonnets lucien asked coming straight to the point do you want the truth i am young enough to like the truth and so anxious to succeed that i can hear it without taking offence but not without despair replied lucien well my dear fellow the first sonnet from its involved style was evidently written at angouleme it gave you so much trouble no doubt that you cannot give it up the second and third smack of paris already but read us one more sonnet he added with a gesture that seemed charming to the provincial encouraged by the request lucien read with more confidence choosing a sonnet which d'arthez and Bridau liked best perhaps on account of its color the tulip i am the tulip from Batavia's shore the thrifty fleming for my beauty rare pays a king's ransom when that i am fair and tall and straight and pure my petals core and like some yolande of the days of yore my long and amply folded skirts i wear or painted with the blazon that i bear gules a fess azure purpure fretty or the fingers of the gardener divine have woven for me my vesture fair and fine of threads of sunlight and of purple stain no flower so glorious in the garden bed but nature woe is me no fragrance shed within my cup of orient porcelain well asked lucien after a pause immeasurably long as it seemed to him my dear fellow etienne said gravely surveying the tips of lucien's boots he had brought the pair from Angoulême, and was wearing them out. "'My dear fellow, I strongly recommend you to put your ink on your boots to save blacking, and to take your pens for toothpicks, so that when you come away from Flicoteaux you can swagger along this picturesque alley, looking as if you had dined. Get a situation of any sort or description. Run errands for a bailiff if you have the heart. Be a shopman if your back is strong enough enlist if you happen to have a taste for military music you have the stuff of three poets in you but before you can reach your public you will have time to die of starvation six times over if you intend to live on the proceeds of your poetry that is and from your too unsophisticated discourse it would seem to be your intention to coin money out of your inkstand i say nothing as to your verses they are a good deal better than all the poetical wares that are cumbering the ground in booksellers back shops just now elegant nightingales of that sort cost a little more than the others because they are printed on hand-made paper but they nearly all of them come down at last to the banks of the seine you may study their range of notes there any day if you care to make an instructive pilgrimage along the quays from old jerome's stall by the pont notre dame to the pont royal you will find them all there all the essays in verse the inspirations the lofty flights the hymns and songs and ballads and odes all the nestfuls hatched during the last seven years in fact there lie their muses thick with dust bespattered by every passing cab at the mercy of every profane hand that turns them over to look at the vignette on the title-page you know nobody you have access to no newspaper so your marguerites will remain demurely folded as you hold them now they will never open out to the sun of publicity in fair fields with broad margins enameled with the florets which Dorian, the illustrious the king of the wooden galleries scatters with a lavish hand for poets known to fame i came to paris as you came poor boy with a plentiful stock of illusions impelled by irrepressible longings for glory and i found the realities of the craft the practical difficulties of the trade the hard facts of poverty in my enthusiasm it is kept well under control now my first ebullition of youthful spirits i did not see the social machinery at work so i had to learn to see it by bumping up against the wheels and bruising myself against the shafts and chains now you are about to learn as i learned that between you and all these fair dreamed-of things lies the strife of men and passions and necessities willy-nilly you must take part in a terrible battle book against book man against man party against party make war you must and that systematically or you will be abandoned by your own party and they are mean contests struggles which leave you disenchanted and wearied and depraved and all in pure waste for it often happens that you put forth all your strength to win laurels for a man whom you despise and maintain in spite of yourself that some second-rate writer is a genius there is a world behind the scenes in the theater of literature the public in front sees unexpected or well-deserved success and applauds the public does not see the preparations ugly as they always are the painted supers the claqueurs hired to applaud the stage carpenters and all that lies behind the scenes you are still among the audience abdicate there is still time before you set your foot on the lowest step of the throne for which so many ambitious spirits are contending and do not sell your honor as i do for a livelihood etienne's eyes filled with tears as he spoke do you know how i make a living he continued passionately the little stock of money they gave me at home was soon eaten up a piece of mine was accepted at the theatre-francais just as i came to an end of it at the theatre-francais the influence of a first gentleman of the bedchamber or of a prince of the blood would not be enough to secure a turn of favor the actors only make concessions to those who threaten their self-love if it is in your power to spread a report that the jeune premier has the asthma the leading lady a fistula where you please and the soubrette has foul breath then your piece would be played to-morrow i do not know whether in two years time i who speak to you now shall be in a position to exercise such power you need so many to back you and where and how am i to gain my bread meanwhile i tried lots of things i wrote a novel anonymously old doguereau gave me two hundred francs for it and he did not make very much out of it himself then it grew plain to me that journalism alone could give me a living the next thing was to find my way into those shops i will not tell you all the advances i made nor how often i begged in vain i will say nothing of the six months i spent as extra hand on a paper and was told that i scared subscribers away when as a fact i attracted them pass over the insults i put up with at this moment i am doing the plays at the boulevard theatres almost gratis for a paper belonging to finot that stout young fellow who breakfasts two or three times a month even now at the Cafe voltaire but you don't go there i live by selling tickets that managers give me to bribe a good word in the paper and reviewers copies of books in short Finau, once satisfied, I am allowed to write for and against various commercial articles, and I traffic in tribute paid in kind by various tradesmen. A facetious notice of a carminative toilet lotion, pâté des sultans, cephalic oil, or Brazilian mixture, brings me in twenty or thirty francs i am obliged to dun the publishers when they don't send in a sufficient number of reviewers copies finot as editor appropriates two and sells them and i must have two to sell if a book of capital importance comes out and the publisher is stingy with copies his life is made a burden to him the craft is vile but i live by it and so do scores of others do not imagine that things are any better in public life there is corruption everywhere in both regions every man is corrupt or corrupts others if there is any publishing enterprise somewhat larger than usual afoot the trade will pay me something to buy neutrality the amount of my income varies therefore directly with the prospectuses when prospectuses break out like a rash money pours into my pockets i stand treat all round when trade is dull i dine at flicoteaux's actresses will pay you likewise for praise but the wiser among them pay for criticism to be passed over in silence is what they dread the most and the very best thing of all from their point of view is criticism which draws down a reply it is far more effectual than bald praise forgotten as soon as read and it costs more in consequence celebrity my dear fellow is based upon controversy i am a hired bravo i ply my trade among ideas and reputations commercial literary and dramatic i make some fifty crowns a month i can sell a novel for five hundred francs and i am beginning to be looked upon as a man to be feared some day instead of living with florine at the expense of a druggist who gives himself the airs of a lord i shall be in a house of my own i shall be on the staff of a leading newspaper i shall have a feuilleton and on that day my dear fellow florine will become a great actress as for me i am not sure what i shall be when that time comes a minister or an honest man all things are still possible he raised his humiliated head and looked out at the green leaves with an expression of despairing self-condemnation dreadful to see and i had a great tragedy accepted he went on and among my papers there is a poem which will die and i was a good fellow and my heart was clean i used to dream lofty dreams of love for great ladies queens in the great world and my mistress is an actress at the panorama dramatique and lastly if a bookseller declines to send a copy of a book to my paper i will run down work which is good as i know lucien was moved to tears and he grasped etienne's hand in his the journalist rose to his feet and the pair went up and down the broad avenue de l'observatoire as if their lungs craved ampler breathing space End of chapter nine